0: So my mother recently received uh, one of those wonderful emails from a cousin of ours in Nigeria. Now, now, I, I didn't know we had cousins in, in Nigeria, and as you can tell by my particular shading, um, I don't think I'm a, I'm a descendant of anybody from Nigeria. But apparently, apparently uh, we became an heir, or my mom became an heir. Uh, the, the, the odd thing was, I mean, I know it's obviously not their first language, but like, we became a H-A-R-E. Um, LAUGHTER to uh, millions, millions apparently, which had, had built up over the years uh, in, in that particular family. So it was very simple. All we had to do then—oh, uh, then I was yours and yeah, yours sincere at the end. Yours sincere. I am sincere. At the end of the letter. So all we had to do is very simple. All you had to do was just give them your bank details, and then all of these millions would be, you know, would be lodged, lodged, in, lodged in your account. So I I gave I gave them my mom's bank details and, <laughs> and and my bank details just in case they needed a second one and i uh, it's just it's so simple uh, I I I got an email something somewhat more complicated not exactly along the same lines just it's something that that, that shares that I had invested had now come to fruition and the, the original company was closing down so then this was a third party company that was dealing with the the shares of this other company. So then I said, sorry, what, what shares? Where? And he said, well, I'm not at liberty to reveal. <laughs> so, but they're my shares, apparently. So anyway, the point being, well, the point being, they ask for something very small. They ask for something very small in the promise that they will give you something very, very big. All we need is a few little details on this little plastic card in your wallet. We give, you give these little details and voila, you are the, 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 the HARE to, um, to, uh, to, to millions. And it's, it's, it seems like such a simple trade, and even if it's a bit of a risk. It may, maybe it's even worth it, you know. So today's gospel <clears throat> is just so frank. It's just so honest. You know, Peter saying to Jesus, "Lord, we've left everything and followed you," and they did. You see, like when when Jesus asked us, so, so simply walking along by the shore of the sea or walking along the dock and sees Peter and John cleaning their nets and just says, "Follow me," and they say. Okay, <laughs> like th- th- that step is absolutely momentous, it's huge. Because keep in mind, I mean, just the, the, the culture of, of, of things, people lived like, like in Ireland, like everywhere else, up until relatively recently. In small little villages and small little towns, everybody would have heard and spoken about these kind of things that happened. There was no TV, right? There was no distraction of any sort. People spoke about each other. That's, you know, the, the local family was your Enders, You know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> you know, the, local, the, the, the family on the end of the road, whatever it was. So, so like, if, if two young fellas get up and follow this new preacher guy, the whole town is gonna to talk about it. Then if they come back afterwards, you oh sorry, it didn't work out. I mean, the, the, the embarrassment to the family and, and the embarrassment to the, to the lads personally. And, you know, so it's, it's, we read these things and it's so innocuous when we read them. Yeah, they get up and they follow him and it's all fine. They took a risk. They took a risk and Peter was married. So what's the missus going to think? You know, this isn't as straightforward as it looks. So Peter asks a, a straightforward question because keep in mind as well, and the Chosen does, does this very well, um, each step or each journey, each uh, adventure, if you want to call it that, that the apostles embarked on was into the unknown. So when they go into a Sidonian town or when they go, when they go into a... a a city where they haven't been before or like what's going to happen I don't know some people will be healed uh, some in some places they're welcomed in some places they try to bring Jesus up to the brow of a hill and toss him off like they didn't like it's not like you know come and follow me and I'll make you an engineer oh, okay engineer I, I can handle that I know an engineer does you engineer things you know you design and draw and it's kind of there you go that's what you do come follow me uh, uh, as an apostle of Jesus and like what on earth is going to be asked of you I don't know I don't know Uh, one day we're (coughs) managing crowds and collecting baskets and handing out bread and fish and watching uh, observing miracles and other days we're we're uh, traveling for ages not really maybe knowing where other days we're, we're listening to Jesus and he seems a bit Saddened that we don't understand them. You know, he says things and we go, uh, who can be saved then? If, you know, I mean, we are, they're asking Jesus questions because they don't always get what's going on. So Peter asked this really, it's a, it's a human, it's a very human question, but I think it's not a bad question. In fact, if anything, we really benefit from the answer. We've left everything and followed you. What about us? And I, maybe, maybe he's, you know, concerned with his family at home. Uh, but just where where, where does this end like we've we've taken on a huge risk here what do we get Jesus said I tell you solemnly there is no one who has left house brothers (coughs) sisters father children or land for my sake and for the sake of the gospel that will not be repaid a hundred times over a hundred times over. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and land, not without persecution. Now in this present time and in the world to come. So there's, it's a multifaceted uh, reply. We can just pick on just a couple of little details. So there's no one who's left all these things that won't be repaid a hundred times in all those very things. And now, uh, we, we can think, so when we think of religious life, when we think of maybe that, that's a little more obvious, there are people who leave <coughs> the world and career and money and family and all that kind of thing and go off and become uh, uh, a priest or religious. That kind of um, separation is, is evident, it's clear. What do they receive? Again, I think there needs to be a rediscovery of, of priesthood and religious life, but ultimately, what you should discover is within your convent, within your monastery, within your religious community, brothers and sisters. So you have a family, you discover a home, your your monastery, your seminary should be a home. Uh, you discover also internally a much, much, much deeper love for God and a much, and, and a profound desire to serve him in others. So this desire to do mission just flows naturally from the fact that you love God. So you, you become part of this huge family. It's, it's, it becomes very, very life-giving. So people on the outside say, oh, you, to wear, you have to wear a veil, you can't get married, you can't do this. And yeah, there are sacrifices to it. But you know in your heart what you have received. That, that constant consolation of, of being, of doing your best to be one with God, being formed to be one with God. So then you think of today's cultural context in Ireland where now following the Lord as a Catholic is going to cost you something before it didn't, before it was normal, before it was actually expected, before it actually would have cost you more if you didn't. You'd have been the odd family who didn't. So now, now, that now being Catholic could well cost you something. Like I was even talking to someone recently, <laughs> Who uh, <clears throat> mentioned that they, they were considering religious life, so entering into a uh, a convent, and um, one of her sisters just said, "Why would you enter a convent? You're know, you burying babies at the back as well, or what?" Just one of these kind of just immediate, just throwaway comments, like just just this this real hostility towards religious life, towards that decision to give your heart entirely to God. And you know, so so you, you take a hit, you, you take a risk these days in following the Lord. So that we can ask the same question, Lord. I mean, if I if I post this pro-God post on my on Facebook, uh, not everyone's gonna be happy with it. So what do I actually get back? What do I what do I get in return? If I if I'm overtly pro-life, if I'm overtly pro-Catholic, whatever it may be, what do I get in return? See, this is the this is the promise. Whenever Jesus says, uh I tell you solemnly, in, in German it's Amen, Amen, ich sage euch, so Amen, Amen, I say to you. It's like he's underlining something, right? I t- it's like a promise, I promise you there is no one who has left anything for my name that will not receive a hundred times over in this world and eternal life. And some persecutions. Uh, but um, like ter- like the terms and conditions that the lady on the radio reads really fast at the end, you know. <laughs> the, uh, not without persecutions but they're there, <coughs> they will be there, but we receive a hundred times over, a hundred times over. Uh, when I was in seminary, I read a book by a priest called Father Walter Chizek. Uh, it's called, He Leaded Me. Um, I think it was given to him by one of our Australian uh, seminarians and uh, I loved it because I saw something here that I hadn't really seen before. I guess when I'd heard of stories of saints, they were always so child friendly that it leaves out kind of all the meat of the story. You know what I mean? This is a little St. Patrick, and he picks up some and all the people go, oh, it's Jesus and the Trinity, and then they all spill churches, and then they all dye the rivers green, or something stupid like that. Okay, and you know, like you don't hear all the persecutions, and the trials, and the (coughs) death threats, and poisonings, and all this kind of thing. So when I read this from Father Walter, Walter, he was a Jesuit in 1939 to 41 or two. He decided he'd go as a clandestine missionary to the Soviet Union, which was very, very risky, and he was arrested and uh, went on to spend 23 years in Soviet prison camps, labor camps. The first, first few were in uh, a, a particularly cruel camp where uh, prisoners were sent in order basically to force confessions out of them so they would be brought down to torture rooms and electrocuted every day until they confessed. You know, they had a confession. Once, once you had a once you made a confession and signed, okay, I'm a well, I think you had to sign that he was a Vatican spy. <coughs> he was tortured and tortured and tortured and tortured and tortured. <coughs> he was there for four or five years. Uh, and then eventually <coughs> he signed that he was a Vatican spy and was sent off then to a labor camp uh, to work shoveling coal and all that kind of thing. So he, you'd imagine, like a, he has lost so much. I mean, he was still a young man, but he, I won't go into some of the details of some of the things he describes. He, 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 obviously, like, it becomes a kind of a dog-eat-dog world, and he's trying to bring <coughs> sanity, hope, light, joy, the, 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 the Christian faith into these, into these awful places. And he writes, The fullest freedom I have ever known the greatest sense of security came from abandoning my will to do only the will of God. The fullest freedom I've ever known, the greatest sense of security came from abandoning my will to do only the will of God. So, he's presently a servant of God. Maybe one day will will be a saint. But when I hear examples like that from someone who would have had maybe every right to say Lord I gave my life to you and here I am rotting in a prison where the guards come in throw food on the ground and watch us fight you know where I'm being beaten or electrocuted or (coughs) tortured where are you in all this It takes phenomenal faith and and real profound courage to say that, Lord, in this I find you. I find the light in the midst of this darkness. The fullest freedom I've ever known, the greatest sense of security, came from abandoning my will to do only the will of God. So, Lord, whatever we have done, whatever we have sacrificed, whatever we think we've given up for you and for your name and for your glory, we receive a 100 times over. And let us really be confident in that. Let us be sure. Let us, it sounds awful to say it, but let's hold you, Lord, to your promise. Let's really believe it, that we will never be outdone in generosity. Whatever we give to you, you'll give to us a hundred times over. Amen.